Welcome to Two Beers In. I'm your host, J.D. Miller, and episode 225. Hard to believe, and we have a great panel here this week. Uh, from Iowa, Pete Helmstead. How's it going, Pete? Doing well. How are you guys? Good. In Minnesota, Pete Schletty. How are you doing, Pete? Doing great. And out of Michigan, Matt Lockwood. And hey, guys. How you doing? And I'm here in Chicago, so really we have the upper Midwest well represented right now. We're locked up. <laughs> we got it covered. So mm-hmm. we have a great show this week. We sit down with singer-songwriter Dave Monroe of Air Traffic Controller for a great interview. They performed at Beat Kitchen here in Chicago last night. That's why my voice is as low as it is right now as we're recording. Were you, were you singing with them? I, I did. I was singing at the top of my lungs, but also had a few beverages. So I, when I recorded the interview with, uh, with Dave, uh, Bobby uh, Klein was with me, and we, and we ta- sat down and talked to Dave. Um, I think I was already grovelly at that point. So, uh, but great interview. We have uh, a lot of their their music off their their latest album, Black Box. That we're going to showcase as well. So, and and uh, if you remember and listen last week, we featured their song, uh, "The House." Uh, great catchy tune. Um, so we're excited to 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 learn more about air traffic controller and where they're going. So, uh, also we're going to talk Rio Games now. <laughs> the games are quickly approaching, and at this point, it could be a huge mess. Now, first off, Rio is in financial turmoil, the governor even stating that the games could be a colossal failure, and they may not even have the money for security at the games. And then there's the Zika hmm. and other health scares. So we're going to tackle that, and of course, we have our hard-hitting questions in the six-pack, as always, in the last calls, odd news of the week as well. But first, we have to find out, what are you drinking? Now, I just opened my first beer. I know the show's two years <laughs> in, but uh, but I am drinking. A, I've had it on before. Uh, Revolution Brewing's Anti Hero. Just a huge fan of this IPA. Uh, just you know, crisp. It's a great summer brew. So um, that's what I have. What do you have, Helmstead? Uh, something similar out of uh, Decora, Northeast Iowa, Toppling Goliath Brewery. Uh, mm. It's called Pseudo Sue. It's a single hop pale ale. It's kind of citrusy. Um, it's not something you're going to want to sit and drink seven of unless you want your eyes to cross. But uh, <laughs> it is, uh, it's very refreshing. And it's, uh, again, Toppling Goliath has some impressive beer, again, out of Decorah, so Iowa. Good. Anything good ever come out of Decorah, Schletty? Uh, nothing. Uh, <laughs> not a whole lot. Uh, <laughs> Schletty went to college in Decorah, full disclosure, yeah. to Luther. Yeah, I do have to throw in quick before we uh, leave the subject. It's pseudo Sue, so it does have a Tyrannosaurus Rex on the can, and it is also printed in bold lettering. This is a live beer. Keep refrigerated. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. All right, Schletty, what do you got? Well, uh, it's an old favorite on the show, but it's New Glarus Spotted Cow. Uh, anytime you get your hands on it, you got to drink it. Excellent, excellent. Lockwood, what do you have? Uh, keeping with the uh, Upper Midwest theme, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I picked up uh, Lining Kugel's IPL, this India Pale Lager. I just wanted to try it. I had not had yep. it before. So, uh, you know, the first couple sips, I, I didn't think I liked it, but uh, uh, it's not bad now. After 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 a few drinks. After it's, seven it's, or eight, it goes right gets down. Better. <laughs> you know, better. Yeah, everything's better with just a few beverages, right? It's like, uh, for instance, uh, Schletty and I were together this past weekend. Saturday, we met up uh, near Red Wing, Minnesota in, to play some golf on Saturday. And uh, our tea time was early. Like, we had an 8.15 or 8.12 tea time, something like that. Uh, but, of course, what do you got to do? Drink Bloody Marys, right? So we ordered Bloody Marys. And while we're doing this, I, I was up there because a bunch of my college buddies were doing a Spartan run. Those things are insane. Like, I, I can't be- begin to describe it. You have to Google it. Um, the, those Spartan runs are, like, it really does say in big letters, you you have a good chance of dying while you do this thing. Um, so while they're all getting ready to start, I'm just kicking back, hitting some shag balls and getting a Bloody Mary. So, yeah, I had a workout, too. Uh, but so Pete and I get these Bloody Marys and they're good. And they had a lot of stuff in there. Right, Pete? 
Yeah, and it had a little spice to it, which was great. A little chunk, a little spice. And I, and he's like, hey, let me get you, you know, a, a beer chaser. Uh, sure. And so you expect, you know, a little kind of Dixie cup. No, it was pretty much a full, big, you know, 12-ounce beer. It's like a styrofoam pint to yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's how we started out our morning. Uh, it but was the, beautiful. It, 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 it was a you know nice course, and we lost plenty of golf balls. Tons but, of balls, yeah. Um, I, I I hit a guy. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> well, you hit his cart with the golf ball or with your club. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, That's awkward. With, with my ball, it, it was a it was a dog leg, eighteenth hole. We thought he was clear. We actually gave yeah. it plenty of time, and I'm like, I'm cutting this corner on the dog leg, so. I actually laced a really long drive. It shot. And, and I, the guy comes around the bend with his arms in the air, waving, like, yelling at me. And I just kind of wave. I'm like, I. And so the whole time, I'm like, oh, man. So I, I, we get up a little bit closer. And uh, at that point, they're on the green. We're waiting for them to leave the green. And the guy yells, hit, hit, hit the car, hit me. It's over. It's over there. I'm like, oh, geez. Huh? Well. Yeah, things happen. So yeah. uh, so we hit it, and then we get back. Uh, we finish the hole, and, of course, I, I miss my, my birdie ampar putts. And then we <laughs> go. And so Sledy goes into the clubhouse, and these guys are I sitting there. I, you were, were you expecting them to just lay into you? Well, I wasn't the one. I, I made it. <laughs> I, I will say, J.D., I made it very clear. Hey, you know, sorry about what my buddy did. You know, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. Uh, the the one guy was kind of giving me a glare. The the other guy tried to play it off as, "Oh, it was totally our fault. We didn't play the hole right. We were kind of tucked away back there. You couldn't see us." And yada yada yada. Did you go in there and talk to him, JD? I went. I, left? I went in there, used the restroom, yeah. and left. I didn't even make <laughs> eye contact. I'm like, yeah. I'm getting out of there. I'm getting out yeah, of there. Yeah. Yeah, I was just trying. I was just trying to return the cooler and get out of there. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's always on the last hole. Oh, always, always on the last hole. Good <laughs> I've been on both sides of that. I've, yeah. I've hit into people by mistake, and you know, been embarrassed and you know, mm. self conscious of that. And then people hit into me before, and I've gotten pissed off too. So right. <laughs> I understand both sides of it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to dive into the Rio games. Hey, I felt pity when they turned out the light. I didn't know just what was going on when all my guts were telling me to run. Stop around when I should have been dealing with you and after all that we lost, I swear I'll never let go. You and I both are nothing but thieves. About 20 athletes so far have backed out of the Rio Olympics. Some like Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, Blake Griffin, citing injuries. But many others are bowing out because of the Zika scare, including top golfer in the world, number one, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, Vijay Singh, Mark Leishman, cyclist uh, TJ Van Gard- Gardneren. Now, not only athletes, but journalists, too, are backing out of this. The biggest name so far, Savannah Guthrie of NBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New York Daily News had previously reported that several staffers had already told NBC they're just not going to go to Rio. And according to Reuters, a handful of employees have elected not to cover the Olympics, and NBC respects their decisions. Guthrie's due to have a baby at the end of the year, so doctors wow, recommended she yeah, shouldn't yeah. go. Yeah, but I, let, let's start from from the journalist aspect. You know, Helmstead, Lockwood, you guys were professional journalists. As a former broadcast journalist, with the health scares and everything surrounding what could be a, a tumultuous games, would you go? And we'll, I'll, I'll start with. With Pete, would you would you go and, and cover it with all that's going on there? You know, I would really uh, go. I would need a note from my doctor. You know, if, they, <laughs> if I could talk to them and they said, "Yeah, you're okay. You know, you can be fine. Just you know, don't do this, don't do that." I think I would. Um, but again, I I wouldn't go without having a doctor tell me, "No, you're going to be okay." If they couldn't tell me a hundred percent that there was you know a chance I was going to come down with this or something else. I honestly don't think I would. And honestly, being uh, just looking at it from a female perspective, if you're pregnant or planning to get pregnant, there's no way. I can completely understand why they would say no. What about you, Lockwood? Uh, I think that's a key point. I'm a guy, 
And so I think I definitely would. Uh, I think the risk is uh, not as grave for, for men. But, uh, but, but if it you're is planning sexually a, transmitted. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. If you're planning on uh, having more kids or the, a person's right. planning on having kids, you know, it's something to consider. I mean, that's why Jason yeah. Day b- bowed out because he said, hey, you know, we still want to continue to grow our family. And yeah. I, I don't even want that risk. Right. Now, I, uh, uh, as a reporter, I think, you know, uh, an opportunity to cover an Olympics, uh, I don't think I could pass that up and uh, in a, a exotic location like Brazil. Um, I, I think I would go and cover it and take all the necessary precautions and everything I could. Um, you know, uh, interestingly, uh, I don't know if you guys heard this, but uh, Francisco Rodriguez, K-Rod, uh, reliever for the Detroit Tigers, he uh, actually had Zika virus over the off season, and mm. uh, is recovered and back and pitching and everything now. But uh, he didn't uh, didn't make that public until uh, actually he's warming up in the bullpen right now. I'm watching the yeah. uh, Tigers <laughs> uh, until just recently. So I mean, you can get it and recover. Uh, again, though, if you're, I, I understand the concerns if you're looking to start a family or something like that, it would be definitely a, a concern. You know, I don't blame the golfers. I, I don't blame the golfers at all. I mean, the entire time they're outside, they're in this. Now, if you're uh, uh, Michael Phelps and you're a swimmer, you know, chances are you're going from your hotel to a car to the pool. You know, your exposure is probably a lot less than you know the McElroys and and uh, Jason Days of the world. Um, it, yeah, it, it, it's crazy. I even saw an, uh, a quote. I think it was Gary Player who said that uh, uh, he'd, he'd step in and play since everybody else is backing <laughs> out. Well, you know, it's awful easy for, you know, these NBA stars and these pro golfers to turn down the Olympics, right? Yep. You know, it's it's another story if you're, uh, you know, an athlete uh, in one of kind of you want to say the lesser uh, yeah, Olympic sports. Yeah. yeah. The more Olympics, but you know, track and field athletes that nobody's ever heard of, you know, gymnasts um, or yeah. Yeah. Gymnasts, um, you know, uh, kayakers, whatever, you, you know, you're going to uh, turn down what could be, you know, a kind of a, a, a shining moment in your career, you know, um, it, it'd be awful hard to do that. Well, I, I even read that uh, a company is distributing Zika free condoms. Right, it's been well docu- documented through Olympics that the amount of condoms that athletes go through in the <laughs> Olympic Village, right? It's it's ridiculous, yeah. you know the stats on that. But yeah, and now now the interesting thing is they haven't been proven to prevent <laughs> the spread of Zika. Yeah. <laughs> so somebody's making money somehow, some way. Exactly. You know, yeah, um, they don't. Exactly. They do not have Zika. Yeah, they, so. yeah, they they don't they don't have Zika. Uh, but, and I guess this kind of brings to the next question with, with the financial issues that Rio's having, and they're saying this could be – I mean, there could likely be no security. And, and just imagine no security at the, on the world's biggest stage, uh, let alone you know, transportation. All of that could just come to a screeching halt, let alone they're not quite done building all the stuff for the, for the Olympics. Do you think – these games are going to be just a colossal failure, Helmstead. Um, somehow it'll get pulled together with help from the IOC or something. Um, I do think the opportunity is there for something major to happen. Not necessarily security-wise, but I mean, I read the other day where they're actually concerned about having enough toilet paper. And mm-hmm. in you know, in the world of social media, if some of these social comforts aren't there. It's going to be everywhere, and the news media over there is going to be looking for that stuff. Yep. So I guess I'm not as concerned about the security risk of life, you know, terrorist attack thing, but just the, I guess, creature comforts, what most people are used to having. Mm-hmm. I can see something like that going down, some infrastructure problem. That's, I guess that's what I think is a bigger risk. What about you, Schletty? Yeah, you know, I, I I agree with Homestead. I think, you know, somehow it all comes together. When the Olympics were in uh, Sochi, Russia, a few years back, um, that was all 
the news as well as how ill prepared they were for that. Um, somehow it gets pulled off. Uh, but I agree. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of stuff in the news about, you know, shoddy construction, um, you know, terrible transportation. There's going to be a lot of annoyances. Um, and who knows, uh, you know, maybe something more major than that could go down, but, um, somehow it's going to, it's going to pull off. Yeah. I keep on thinking, you know, how, how much longer can the Olympics go on? Yeah. I mean, it, we're in such a global community now and you have world cup stuff. that's all over the, the world and, and you've had all these different events that do their world championships, mm-hmm. you know, do, is it re- as relevant anymore? I, I, I wonder, you know, mm-hmm. especially the cost now associated, you know, it's bankrupting. I mean, they have all these other financial issues in Rio, but I mm-hmm. mean, it, it definitely is, you know, when you're spending billions, it, mm-hmm. it definitely is hamstring them. I'm so, so, so happy. Chicago didn't get the games and Rio got yeah. them because for one, you know, Chicago's, Amazing with budget and uh, and corrupt politicians, but the just the thought of of everything that goes with it being here. Like I even mm-hmm. said, if Chicago would have got the Olympic Games, I would have Airbnb'd my house and I would have been out of here for the two. For years. sure, you know, I I wouldn't want to even be around. Uh, probably could make some good money at it too. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, but it, it does also make me think. I oh, mean, I just. I don't want the Olympics on American soil anymore either. And, and every other year they're looking at the U S because they know we got money. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I hope the games go on without a hitch and it's all good. And Bob Casas doesn't get pink eye. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was the worst thing out of the last Olympics is Bob Casas. Pink eye. Now we're talking Zika. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. It, it it is crazy, but um, I, I do have to ask you know, as it's getting here, it, and it, I'll be glued to the TV. I'll watch it every night. Sure. You know, it, it, it it's must see TV, uh, and the fact it's actually not far off the, of our time zones. It yeah, that helps. It, it definitely mm-hmm. helps. Uh, what event or sport are you looking forward to catching the most? And I'll start with you, Lockwood. You know, I. Uh... And I don't know why, because I don't follow it any other time, but I always tune in for the swimming events. And, uh, you know, I, I like to, to watch those guys. I, you know, just swimming for exercise, I know how hard it is and what effort they're putting in. And to see them mm-hmm. do that, it's just amazing. But, uh, you know, and then, uh, of course, the uh, gymnastics is always amazing. So I'd say the gymnastics and the swimming are probably at the top of my list. Helm said? I'll go with track and field first. Uh, just again, the talent is beyond belief. You can't even can't even wrap your mind around how fast these people are running, and yeah. in some cases for the distance they're running. Yep. But uh, second of all, I will go with uh, Lockwood with uh, gymnastics too. Talk about incredible athletes! It's amazing. Schletty? Uh Yeah. Um... I get glued to the swimming uh, most definitely, and I think this year I'll be watching a lot of basketball as well. Um, it's it's a little bit of a uh, pushover every Olympics when we throw our all-star team out there, but um, it'll be fun to watch. And, and despite the fact that you know half the guys they've invited have turned it down, they're still going <laughs> to have a, a stellar roster. So it'll be it'll be fun. Yeah, I, I I'm kind of with Pete. I, I, the track and field for me as a former track athlete, I. I love that. Uh, I don't know if you guys had the chance to watch. Uh, said nine eight three, um, the thirty for thirty on the nineteen eighty eight uh, one hundred yard dash that Ben Johnson tested positive, and then mm. come to find out that six of the eight people who ran in that um, tested oh. positive at some point in time. Uh, mm. It great thirty for thirty if you ever get a chance to watch it. Mm. So yeah, the Olympics will be here one way or another. It's <laughs> we'll be glued you to know, the TV. You know, and, and uh, you know the Sochi Games were mentioned, and I remember that. Uh, it seems like every year there's this buildup and this concern about things being ready, even in the United States. And mm-hmm. after a couple of days, once they get going, uh, you know, and I hope it happens again this year. Just just the excitement and the uh, joy of watching this, you know, the, all the talent and the competition just takes over, and yeah. I'm hoping that's what happens again. Nice. 
Nice. Well, guys, as I mentioned, last night got to see a, a great concert. Uh, Air Traffic Controller, who we, we played uh, last, last show. Um, Boston band led by Dave Monroe with bandmates Casey Sullivan, Steve Scott, Jeremy Van Cleve, Adam Salima, and Adrian Aiello. Now, it's a great backstory here. Dave Monroe served in the U.S. Navy as an air traffic controller. Hmm, That's the name. Uh, He had sent home demos written during deployment. um, And uh, we talked a little bit about it in the interview that uh, famous producer Blue is the one who really got uh, him moving and got him uh, uh, to be a bit of a household name. Now, bandmate and singer, songwriter Casey Sullivan, she met Dave soon thereafter, and the two forged a collaborative bond that's uh, the vocal sound of uh, ATC. Now, they're the 2015 Billboard Hot 100 Fest performers with The Weeknd and Justin Bieber, and they're placed on the NPR Hot 100 list for South by Southwest, you know, tons uh, of awards. They've had over 15 million Spotify plays. Uh, they've been licensed by Bose, MTV, NBC, ABC, Disney, Verizon, Toyota, and many more. Now, their third album, Black Box, we're going to hear a, a bunch of music from that, um, features uh, some great songs, including The House, which they had the music video for that, won the 2016 New England Music Award for Best Video. It was named by Boston Magazine as the best video of 2015. It's on regular rotation on MTVU and MTV2, and even on the homepage of Funny or Die. Uh, A quote from the University of Washington's The Daily, Black Box will take you through the ups and downs of summer and, and may just stick in your head even longer. So when we come back, we sit down with Dave Monroe. We had the house where everybody came We had the music, we played the games And nobody's parents worried about mine My mother never left one child behind We lived by the park where all the kids played There was my dog in a Superman cape Up in the wagon, head to the lake Hey, it's your birthday, mom We're here with, with Dave Monroe of... Air traffic controller. Now, great show tonight at, at Beat Kitchen. And right now, you guys are on tour. How long have you guys been on tour? Uh, we've been on tour like a week. Oh, wow. Sure. So this yeah. is new. Yeah, this, I mean, this. For the new album. We had like a couple week break there. And then, so, I mean, we've been on tour pretty much since the record came out in March, but we've had breaks here and there. So, um, we're doing it independently. So, um, we get to plan it ourselves, and we get to go home for a week, and then we get to go back out. So, um, but yeah, so we did the East Coast before we came here, and uh, we've been in the Midwest for about a week now doing this. What's it like to be a band right now, trying to break in the age of YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes? Oh, wow, that's such a good question. It's loaded. Um, it's a bit loaded, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's like we're we're in a sea of of really good music and really bad music um, so, so but I, I definitely feel like we need to be in that sea for anybody to catch us you know um, and and people that come to our shows the majority of them say I discovered you on Spotify so we owe we owe a lot a lot to um, those platforms for, for getting us out there and the first thing they do as soon as they discover us they get on YouTube and see, and watch videos and stuff and try to find out more so we got to keep that stuff fresh and and we got to keep making more videos and and, um, and getting the new stuff out there or, or or we're doomed, you know? Well, and you guys just also had your first video ever on MTV. Yes. I mean, it's MTV's been around for 35 years now. What does that feel like to get your first video on MTV? That's got to be a great feeling. Yeah, it's it's a dream come true, really. Um, I mean, MTV doesn't really play videos um, anymore, but they have uh, <laughs> MTV2 and MTVU, and they're playing us on those. And MTVU uh, premiered the video... Uh, and that's like a very popular MTV uh, program in colleges and stuff. Um, it's geared toward college kids and stuff. So, which is it was awesome, awesome for, for us to get that kind of exposure um, for that video. They they premiered the video for us.
it about Boston bands that sets you guys out from all the other bands in the U.S.? I feel like Boston bands have this whole other energy that can crisscross across the United States. Wow. Um, <laughs> I never really thought of it like that, but I mean, I th- you're right, though. I think there is something special about Boston bands, um, especially the ones that are able to get out of Boston and, um, and go to the other major cities and say we're from Boston and, and, and see you get there's a little bit of that rivalry you guys are sports guys I mean people hate Boston but <laughs> but no they really um, they, I think that although Boston and New England have, have done so well in, in the, the sporting arena that they um, but however I still feel like Boston has always been an underdog and uh, maybe maybe I've Maybe I'm dating myself by saying that, but I just remember, you know, going to a lot of games where Boston just never won. And I feel like that uh, gave me and a lot of uh, Bostonians uh, a certain spirit that I think that a lot of Boston bands possess. And, uh, and we're all going for it, and we all like, kind of believe that maybe, maybe something can happen and uh, things can turn around. Uh, from a little band from Boston. And you yeah. guys have a Boston guy who's producing this new album. He's produced your other album, Nordo, mm-hmm. um, Blue. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of him. What does he do for your process that brings out um, uh, that, that brings out another element in the band? Uh, I was a big Blue fan also before uh, we started working together. I, I was I met him just by going to one of his shows and just um, being really blown away by how he presented his his album that I loved. And then um, and he I found out a friend of mine actually found out later that he was uh, producing and he just said blue you need to hear my friend please just listen to my friend and it was, he just gave him a demo of mine and blue was like yeah i would love to work with Dave." so oh, wow. that's how the first album came about okay and then um and what he what he brought to the table uh for me was um was like this uh the way we worked together was kind of like I just trusted everything he was going to do because I liked his music so much. I knew that he wasn't going to do something something I hated. So it was like a, a lot of trust. Yeah. Um, and he didn't want to make... He never wants to make um, the same old record. Uh, he never wants to... Tr- he never wants to do the same thing twice. Uh, and I think that that's awesome. He never does what I would expect to do with a song too he's just he's just a really he's like a mad scientist in the studio and that's why we've made three records with him um i don't know how it would go with anyone else and i would love to see what i always just go in the studio with him wondering like what the hell is he going to do next <laughs> so and uh so yeah i think a lot of the great ideas you hear on the record are, are from blue you know? And he and he helps with the songwriting and stuff too. He's an amazing songwriter, so um, so he's definitely lended some hooks and stuff for us. You know, he's great. felt your sound evolve over these three albums? Well, the, the band started out just me. Uh, I, I was in the Navy working as an air traffic controller, writing songs, sending them home. And and when I got home and my friend, you know, sent Blue those, those demos that I had recorded um, and Blue wanted to make that record, I didn't have a band. I just had, like, friends around town that I would go play with like at open mics and things like that. So it was like kind of, um, I went in the studio with Blue not 
you know, wanting people to get involved with my record and just be, just because I could. I'm like, guys, I'm making a record. You got to get on the record. <laughs> so, and then, and that's kind of how the band started, really. Like, was just friends of mine that could play really well, and then we were able to take this this first record and get get it out. Um, around Boston, New England, and as it got bigger, those guys were like, "Whoa, this is getting too big." I I didn't expect all this to happen, so uh, you got to go on without me, Dave. You know, <laughs> and that kind of kept happening. Like as we got more and more people involved, and then by the second record, we went in the studio with a band, with a bunch of songs, um, and. And that was that's why that record sounds different. It wasn't like uh, it was people that really understood what air traffic controller should be, and um, and I, I feel I don't I don't feel I have no regrets about the first record. I don't know if I should say that, but yeah, <laughs> I, I have regrets about everything. But I mean, um, but no, I I love the way that everything has evolved. I love when people take a look back at, at how how it all started like as sort of almost like a solo project and then a band a band as with still drawing in as many people as we could the second record we have like Steve Scott our multi-instrumentalist that is tonight was playing trumpet harmonica guitar uh, keys uh, he's jack of all trades he writes string arrangements uh, he conducted a 40 piece orchestra on that record the second record Nordo um, so and that was kind of how that, when the second record started, I had a phone call with Blue, and he said, he said we should do that song, and and it was Blame. And he's like, and we should we should tap into Steve a bit and see what he's going to bring to the table. And it wound up being an orchestral kind of thing on a couple songs. And uh, and so we just kind of pushed our limits as far as they would go on the second record. And then I feel like after that um, was kind of like we had to do, well, I, I guess the third, the, the second record, uh, the third record, I'm, I'm sorry, um, the big uh, curveball there was Casey. Casey had sung on a couple songs on Nordo, um, but she wasn't like quite in the band yet. She had been playing with us. She came in to sing a couple songs, and basically while we were recording the record, she joined the band and learned, lear literally learned how to play the bass because um, she was going to Berkeley, a college student. She could learn anything, and. Um, and then by the time that album came out, we were touring together, we were spending tons of time together. She was writing, I was writing, and then like, and then Blue was like, "We got to make another record." And then, and, then uh, and now we had two songwriters, and that's why the new. So the new record is Casey is singing and writing on literally half of it, and uh, and she's like kind of a, an opposite songwriter. Uh, that, that, that I am. She's 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 kind of a dark writer, an abstract kind of writer, very poetic, and uh, even her her voice is like this like soulful sound. And uh, I think I'm kind of the opposite of that. I, I think I'm sort of um, very uh, literal, I guess, on like uh, kind of honest, happy-go-lucky. Um, um, and not not that soulful. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm a, little, I'm a little like quirkier, I guess, than she is. And uh, I, I think when you just mix that together on this new record, you get tons of tons of that that like the the mashup of us both, and you get to explore her side and my side as well. I, I think that the record is very very balanced. I believed you from the first scene Your walls within the mess we're in is unforgiving Now when I try to speak I'm silenced Hollow eyed I pass my time in show that we saw tonight you guys all play together and then you guys also 
have a portion where you guys are on mics. You kind of do an acoustic portion of the show where everybody moves in, the crowd moves in, and you guys play acoustic together. You guys are definitely sounding very together. Is this a sound that you envisioned when you first started the band that this was the progress that you would make? Um, kind of. When we did the acoustic songs tonight, we did songs from two songs from the first record. And it's funny because I, I didn't really envision making um, anything really that's on the record. I did envision making like real folky, unplugged kind of music like you just heard. So that's like I'm really in my glories when we do stuff like that because it's kind of like what I always meant to do, but I don't regret what we did. People love it. Uh, we love it. But I think it's um, it's just the the fact that that there is there there is that progression that happened. And, and I mean, it just it's a team it's a team thing. It's it's never really been like even the first record how it was kind of a solo thing. I've made sure it was never really a, about just about me. I wanted I wanted I'm like very much like. A community type of guy, and I think that that makes the projects more interesting. Um, and but I selfishly have that moment where we're all together, we're all still doing the team thing, but it's it is kind of like going back and how it all started, I guess. Um, before we ever started recording, it was just kind of like people playing acoustic instruments and singing at like singer songwriter nights and stuff. So I love that we have that moment. We just started doing that. So I think we should continue. Absolutely. It, it was a lot of fun. Last question for you. What can people expect coming to an ATC concert? I guess people can expect to to go home with a smile on their face, really. That's, um, but in the show itself, I guess you want to you wanna come and see a bunch of people on stage having fun together and, uh, and, and hope that um, you can be a part of their fun. You know, that's, that's what we try to do is, is we're going to put on a show that connects with the audience. That's re- really the most important thing to me um, as a singer-songwriter. And if I always felt like I wasn't connecting... I couldn't do it, you know. It's I really owe a lot to the people in the audience um, for for becoming a part of this for us. So that's awesome. You can follow them on Twitter at ATC Music, and you're on Facebook as well. Yeah, same deal. Face, ATC Music everywhere. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you. Nice to meet you guys. Time for our six pack, and we did lose a couple of, of coaching legends uh, this week. You know, first off, Pat Summit. She served as the University of Tennessee Lady Vols coach from 1974 to 2012. Yeah, won you know, eight NCAA championships. Only a couple people have had more. Uh, she Olympic gold medal head coach. Yeah, you know, really was. She was named the coach of the century in April of, of 20,000. Um, just a, a huge loss, and, and I'm going to go to to you first, Helmstead. You know, what do you think the lasting legacy of Pat Summit is going to be? You know, in athletics and in women's basketball. Well, I think she is the one who brought women's college basketball mainstream. She was the first person. Her her teams were the first ones to really start getting the attention of the national sporting fans, the you know national media. Um, I, I give her all that credit. Uh, Connecticut doesn't have the program they have without Pat Summit starting what she did in Tennessee. Um, she was amazing. And from everything I've heard and everything I've read and everything you've seen on Twitter and everything, she sounds like she was an amazing person as well. And she liked to have fun. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. uh, her and Bruce Pearl when Bruce yep. Pearl was a men's coach. They did a Bruce Pearl came out and I believe did a cheer without a shirt on for one of the uh, women's games in the crowd. He had uh, his chest painted and the next 
men's game, I believe it was, Pat Summit came out in a cheerleader's uniform and went out on the court and did a cheer. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, she had a great personality, too. And it's, uh, you know, obviously everybody, nobody lives forever, but it sucks when it's something like dementia that she takes somebody so that too. talented away. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. she was so young. But I guess when you look at it the other way, too, is a good thing is maybe it brings attention to it and mm-hmm. more people... Uh, help and chip in and do something to fight the disease. But yeah, no, she, as far as I'm concerned, she's the one who brought women's college basketball mainstream. And, and absolutely. And, and, and the other one to pass away, Buddy Ryan revolutionized defense in the NFL and Chicago. People remember him for the 85 Super Bowl season, but more people remember him uh, as a Viking assistant when he uh, had a hand in crafting the purple people eaters of the 70s. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go to you, Lockwood. What do you remember and what sticks out to you with, uh, with Buddy Ryan's coaching? Oh, you know, he was just the guy's guy. And, you know, even as a, a kid, I just I liked that. You know, he wasn't uh, uh, buttoned up like a lot of the other coaches. And he got in people's face on the sideline and did thing his, things his own way. And, uh, you know, I guess – is, you know, when there were the Tom Landry's and the other buttoned up type coaches like that, he came off as more of a rebel. Yep. And uh, I thought so. That, that was kind of cool. Uh, Schletty, I mean, what, your your thoughts of the former Viking coach? <laughs> this is a, this is way before my time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm probably the only one who remembers it. <laughs> I don't remember much. Yeah. Yeah, really. it's funny though. You know, a lot of people obviously remember him here in Chicago for that '85 Bears, but you know, his stint with the Eagles and and just the quarterback situations they always had and all that. You know, it's uh, he he was definitely one of a kind, and I'll be curious to see what kind of tribute uh, his boys do for him this this fall because you know they're going to do something. Um, but uh, we talked Rio earlier. I'm going to set start with you, Schletty. Mm-hmm. Will Michael Phelps win any gold medals? Oh boy! Um, well, didn't uh, didn't Lochte fail to qualify the other night? So yep. he's not going to be be down there. Um, I don't know if he's going to win any gold. I mean, what is this? His third or fourth Olympic? His uh, first games. was in '04. Okay, his third. Yeah. So this is his third. Um, boy, yeah, I'll say maybe one. How many events is he is he competing in this year? Uh, that I'm not, not even sure. sure. I, I not watched him sure. in the 200 um, yeah. fly uh, prelims for the qualifier today, and he won that pretty easily. Did he? Um, he wasn't happy with his time or his form, but uh, tomorrow night, uh, as we're recording this, tomorrow night is when he goes and hopefully okay. one of the final two um, yeah. to, to compete in that. So, Guns and Roses have begun their big reunion tour. And I'm going to go to Lockwood with this one. Do you care? Mm-hmm. And would you see them? <laughs> well, uh, yes and yes. Uh, in fact, they kicked off their tour in Detroit Thursday night. I went to the show. Oh, you survived. Yes. And uh, they actually sounded surprisingly good. Um, you know, I had gone and I, I saw Van Halen play. Uh, I was out with some friends in, in Colorado last year, and I saw Van Halen play Red Rocks, and uh, David Lee Roth sounded terrible, and <laughs> you know it was I'd spent over a couple hundred dollars on the tickets, and it was really disappointing. Uh, got these tickets for Guns N' Roses at face value, but I think they were still like one hundred and twenty-five dollars each, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, they sounded really good. They put on a very good, energetic show. They played for about two and a half hours. Did and, they start on time? They started two minutes early. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I, uh, it's not I, Axel's M.O. I said if they started before 11 o'clock, I'd consider it a win. They walked on at 943. Oh, nice. Wow. So, mm. so they, they got off to a good start. Schletty, would you see him? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think they're coming to the Twin Cities, actually. I think I was looking this up. Yeah. Um, I was kind of bummed out about that. But, uh yeah, I that's a that's a band I would see. I I kind of wanted to. That's why I asked if they started on time because when uh, when Axel's old iteration of Guns N' Roses were touring, they had a reputation of you know starting two hours late, storming off the stage. I thought mm. you know I want to see him have a solid track record before I'd put some money down on that show. So <laughs> yeah, 
Well, uh, they're going to be in Chicago, and I did not get tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if somebody came to me and goes, "Hey, I got an extra ticket. You want to go? I'm going. I'm going." Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, all right. So when I was on my way back uh, from golf and, and uh, my trip uh, up north, when I saw uh, Schletty, stopped at a Culver's. There was a truck in the – this parking lot was jacked. Like, wasn't any spots. I mean, it was that packed. And there was a truck parked in two spots, like right in the middle, almost at a little bit of a diagonal in two big spots. Before I tell you what I did, what would you do in this situation, Helmstead? I tell you what, I uh, never thought of this, but uh, I saw it on, uh, on Facebook today, actually. It was in a parking lot in, I think, Target. Somebody – took a one of the grocery carts and they had zip ties and they zip tied the grocery cart to their door handle <laughs> nice. I think that is, i'm gonna start carrying uh, zip ties with me I think. <laughs> nice. it's a great idea i love it that's awesome what would you do lockwood oh i would you just let it go this, yeah that pisses me off but mm-hmm. I, I would just probably let it go uh you know, I guess the probably worst I would do is probably write a nasty note and slip it under their windshield wiper. <laughs> I, and I, I saved you for last, Letty, because you <laughs> have some amazing road rage. And, yeah, and I do. Road, it's not. Uh, I wouldn't say it's road rage, but you, the, oh. you, you can get set off by drivers pretty easily. Sure, I wish I wish death and slaughter on <laughs> hundreds of people a day. Um, I. Would, in that situation, I've always wanted to just carry like a stack of notes, like note cards in my glove box that just say, you park like an asshole that I can just pull <laughs> off and stick on their windshield. Um, but in, in the case of this, the, I saw the picture you, you posted. I think I probably would have just parked my car right up against his, right on that median. <laughs> you know, if I see a car like that, I just want to get up like, like a one layer of paint away from his car. <laughs> so he can't get in. Yeah. That's probably what I do. I have seen yeah. where people, uh, I saw it on social media. Uh, when, instead of leaving like a nasty note, they left a sheet from a coloring book and said, <laughs> you know, here you can practice staying within the lines. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I did is, uh, as Pete alluded to, I, I put a picture, uh, took a picture on and posted on Facebook, and I made sure you can clearly read the license plate. So uh, that that was my passive aggressive way of of dealing with it. But I, and I even as I'm eating in Culver's, I'm like, you know, seething with with, with <laughs> what should I do? I need to do more. I need to do more. Um, but I didn't. I didn't. Oh well. <laughs> Uh, and we last our last question uh, for this is: You go to a concert, are you like you just went to Lockwood? Yeah. Are you going to drink macro watered down beer, or are you going to splurge and get you know good beer while you're at that show? Well, uh, Thursday night I went. I just went with the Bud Light. Um, I did not see uh an option like another like uh micro brew option near my seats and uh, i was anxious to get to get to them i would pay and i i can say like for example I went to a tiger game recently and and i bought the uh the more expensive craft beer um i've just gotten spoiled with it now and right. I, yep. you know it's like i drink a bud light and it's like um you know you almost have to choke it down anymore but uh yeah I, I drank Bud Light at Guns N' Roses. All right. All right. Well, guys. It goes with the territory. Well, yeah, exactly. Actually, yeah, I'm right. surprised you didn't, you know, they didn't have like yeah, went, PBR or music. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, our last call. And the last call, we're going to start with you, Shletty. What do you got? Sure. Well, there was a famous Monty Python sketch way back in the 70s that you guys might have uh, been familiar with uh, concerning a dead parrot. Well, this story kind of turns that on its head, and this is the uh, the parrot of a dead man. Um, Michigan woman is accused of killing her husband, and the prosecutor is turning to the dead man's parrot to help put her behind bars. So there's this woman... Um, 
uh, outside of Detroit. And I don't know, Lockwood, if this story made any news where you're at, but uh, yeah, it's she, not in the news. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's charged with killing her husband. Um, this guy had a like a 20 year old gray African parrot who uh, custody of this parrot ended up going to his first wife. Um, so this woman's hanging out with her dead ex-husband's parrot. All of a sudden, the parrot starts screaming and yelling, always ending with, don't effing shoot. This parrot just screaming out, don't effing shoot. So she figures it might be her ex-husband's last words. Um, so now there's, there's video existing of this, of this parrot screaming it. Um, the prosecutor hasn't ruled out using it in court, but first he has to determine if anything that the bird says is admissible in court. Not sure if this parrot's going to take the witness stand, uh, whether there's, there's a precedent here. Um, but it's possible. And, uh, I thought this was pretty hilarious. I'm, I'm trying to find any any interesting quotes here. There's a good chance there's a good chance that this bird basically had a PTSD breakdown and is repeating the last thing his favorite person said. Is it provable though? That's tough. Unless it can be proved, his people never use that phrase. So wow, huh. yeah, well, you know, it it sounds like some. I don't know if you guys remember the TV show, you know, maybe a decade ago called Monk. It, mm-hmm. yeah. it seems like something yeah, that would be on monk. that show. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Jeez, jeez. All right, Homestead, what do you got for us? All right, I got two quick ones. Um, That's what she said. In 1976, <laughs> this uh, class, they were doing a uh, thing on food preservatives and additives, and one of the students asked about a Twinkie, and the teacher said, all right, let's do an experiment. He gave them money. They went to the store. They came back with the Twinkies. He opened one of the packages, he ate one, he set the other on the blackboard. It's in a glass case, still in the uh, now in the dean of students' office, because this teacher has retired, 40 <laughs> years, and it is still going strong. Oh. One of my favorite quotes is somebody uh, put it on Twitter and said, 40-year-old Twinkie still going strong, and the reply was, I thought Tory Hunter retired. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. But the other one, I just think it's funny, so I have to share it. My brother and uh, his wife and my nephew and I went to a Twins game a couple weeks ago, and of course they got ice cream, and my brother just started chuckling, and I said, well, what's so funny? He said, well, you know the ice cream truck you know, comes around playing music, and I said, yeah. He said that one of his buddies has his kids convinced that when the ice cream, ice cream truck drives by and it's playing music, they're out of ice cream. Yep. <laughs> so the kids hear the ice cream and they turn around and go back. Uh, <laughs> my old neighbor used to do that too. That's brilliant. It is That's brilliant. brilliant. Uh, I've got that one filed away. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There I you got go. a 17 month old. So. Uh, well, thank you guys. Uh, great show. And a huge thank you to Dave uh, from uh, Air Traffic Controller. You can follow them on Twitter at ATC Music and also the same handle on Facebook. Their latest album, Black Box. Give it a listen. It will quickly become your go to album of the summer. You can always follow us on Twitter at the number two beers in, two beers in, and you can email us at jd at two beers in dot beer. And don't forget, you can check out back episodes on our website, two beers in dot beer. Thank you so much, fellas. Have a good Thanks, one, guys. Appreciate it. I wish death and slaughter on hundreds of people a day. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>